0: Welcome to it. It's Husker Sports Weekly episode number 81 for you this week. Your one-stop shop for all things Husker Sports. The first weekend of the NCAA tournament is behind us. And we've got a lot of action to talk about here today regarding college basketball. So we'll cover that the first two rounds. And then there were a couple of sweet 16 games last night that concluded the demolition of my final four, at least. We'll also talk about Husker baseball, Husker spring football, and Husker softball as well during the episodes. We have a lot to cover today before we get into any of that. Connor Clark and Grant Hansen here with you as always. You can find us on Twitter at C underscore Clark underscore 27 and at Hansen 15 underscore Hansen. You can find our show on Twitter at Husker Weekly and search Husker Sports Weekly in the search bar of your favorite podcast networks. Let's kick it off. March Madness. My bracket was toast from the beginning. I'm sure yours is too. Pretty much.
1: Arizona was my champ, so.
0: Kentucky was mine, if that makes you feel any better.
1: It does. Um, And then, let's see, I had Baylor in the Final Four, Gonzaga, and Auburn. So, yeah, everybody's out at this point.
0: Yeah, my, I, this is kind of embarrassing to say, I have one team left in the Elite Eight. One and that, and if Kansas loses, I, ho- I will have zero. That is by far the worst I think I will ever do in a bracket. <laughs> it's, it's just really – I mean, after Kentucky lost, I was like, all right, all bets are off. I don't really care anymore. Right. I was rooting for St. Peter's against Murray State, um, which actually kind of helps me because I had Kentucky beating them. But, I mean, I was rooting for Wisconsin to lose even though I picked them. I was rooting for Auburn to lose even though I picked them. Um I was, I was kind of rooting for Kansas to lose against Creighton, even though I picked them to advance. So just a bunch of these games that I don't know. I thought I knew a decent chunk about college basketball coming into this year, but apparently you not. Know. You never know. Apparently not. So g- a couple of the games that happened last night were the one versus four over in the top left, which is the West region. That was Gonzaga, Arkansas. The Razorbacks beat the second... AP number one overall team during the year. The second time this year, they won at 74 to 68, knocking off the Gonzaga Bulldogs. I know a lot of people picked them to win. Texas Tech and Duke played last night. Duke beat the Red Raiders 78 to 73. So the retirement tour continues on for Coach K. in um, other action last night. I'm sorry, just looking around the bracket here real quick. Arizona fell to Houston so all of a sudden, the five-seed Houston making a furious run towards that final four. They're in the Elite Eight after a 72-60 win. And then Villanova beat Michigan last night, 63-55. to 55. That made me happy because I had Michigan losing two rounds ago.
1: Yeah, no, Michigan losing, I think there's a good amount of people that are happy about that. Uh, Duke losing would have brought a lot of joy yes, to a lot would've. of people. Uh, but hey, you know what?
0: Gonzaga losing hey, brought they, me a lot of joy. They've got
1: the Dodgers, so I mean, whenever they do lose,
0: <laughs> they're just they're waiting for for Alabama football to start up exactly. again. Exactly. Right. <laughs> right.
1: Uh, but no, it, it's it's been fantastic. I think, and again, like you know, we talked a little bit before. You know, we've had what two weeks off now, a week and a half yeah. off, yeah, roughly. We apologize, um, but you know, it, it's it is a great thing. To have fans back in the building again, and to have student sections back in the building again, and you can even tell the difference last night. You know, I like I did not watch the Michigan and Arizona games. I don't know what what site that was at. Um,
0: I, when I went to March Madness live, a couple of the games were listed as like not available for whatever reason. Okay. So I did I streamed them on my computer, but I was having the same. And I trouble. was doing
1: the same thing. Uh, I've got a monitor in my room and a uh, you know and a wireless speaker that pretty much makes it a TV. You know, right. enough for me. Um, and so that's what I was watching it on, and you know, it's it. You could tell the difference, like the the games that were in California. That I don't know if they had restricted capacity, but it I don't think felt they, like they did. I don't
0: think they did. I think um, it was just an odd time because that game for us, at least the first one that started out in San Francisco, started at what six Central Time. Correct. They're what two hours behind us so like four and
1: it's sometimes it's three depending on the yeah. daylight time uh, that's it's in just Arizona, a, a, I guess.
0: four four or three even that those are just like weird times to yeah no and, and that's that's
1: bump the microphone uh but that that's fair but like you know even then like you could tell a difference i think just based off of the location in terms of you know the level of of madness or fan engagement there was. It was worse, I think, there where you have a little bit more um still like a little bit more of a COVID hawkish, you know, COVID hawk sort of policy. Um and so other places where things have been a bit more opened up a little bit longer, you could tell a difference. And and so it's not a hundred percent back to normal in some places. Um, but the places where it was pretty close, it was pretty cool. And and it, it was cool to see, you know, Coach Musselman for Arkansas in some of the moments that, you know, he's had over the last two games. Um, but, you know, just in general, like this tourney has has brought the goods um, and you have a good amount of people that you didn't expect to be there and you have a fair amount of favorites. And so, and I think we kind of expect that just kind of how turbulent this whole basketball season has been. But, um, but yeah, the, the tourney has definitely brought it in. and and you look at, you know, North Carolina, like that's a team that, you know, is very rarely in this role of underdog or surprise, but they are that this year, you know, they're pretty akin to Loyola Chicago or, and then, and again, like every year, it seems like there's a St. Peters, you know, there's an oral Roberts. There's a team that just kind of comes out of nowhere and all of a sudden is making a run that nobody expected and this is kind of the the beauty of, you know, really postseason in general, but this format specifically, where you, you know, there's gonna be a team that wins six straight games. Like it's just, it forces a team to win six you straight know, games. Well, it's, it's physically possible, right? So I mean, you know, it's it creates greatness. I think just by what the format itself is, you know.
0: Yeah, I want to go back to what you were saying about atmosphere. And something that was kind of ridiculous in the first two rounds, and I'm not, I'm not trying to dog on Wisconsin here. I think I'm more so dogging on who selected where these games are being played. So in the first two rounds in the Midwest region, I believe it was the Midwest region, that would only make sense geographically. Wisconsin played in Milwaukee the first two games of the tournament that they played in, and the only two games that they played in. Um, And I went up there on Friday, which was the 18th, the game that they played Colgate in the round of 64. And Iowa State and LSU was the game before that, which was a 6-11 game. Iowa State ended up winning. I mean, it was a big game. It was 59-54. It wasn't like it was a bad game. But I think there were about seven LSU fans there and like a section of Iowa State fans there it might have been the quietest game I've ever been to because the rest of the place was either Wisconsin fans or Wisconsin fans that haven't entered the building yet. Because once the Wisconsin game started, there was not a seat to be had, and everything was red. Besides this one Colgate section, which, good for you. I mean, they kind of showed out more than I thought they would. But that was the most ridiculous home... In, in quotes, home court advantage in a tournament game that I've ever seen in my life. I mean, like, why does Colgate have to come in here as a 14 seed and play one of the Big Ten champions essentially in Madison? I mean, Milwaukee's like an hour and a half away. It was just, I don't know, I don't, I don't have a huge problem with it. I was just like, really? Yeah,
1: there's just some weird stuff. And at the same time, they couldn't get it done,
0: which is which is even worse for right. them because how how could you not? How could you? Like I get it. Chucky went down in the second game, so that hinders your offense a little bit. You still have Johnny Davis. You still have Brad Davison. You still have seven footers inside. How do you yeah, not get it done? And that's
1: interesting too, because there's a lot. There's a lot of talk about how valuable Chucky was to this team. You know, maybe, maybe I don't, I don't think it's all of it, but, th- but you could tell. like a big like, part. You know, they were they were getting some trouble and. I think, and I want to get on my officiating soapbox here, because I I talked to you, I think, a little bit about this. I know I talked to my dad about this a lot. But especially here with the Nebraska State basketball uh, weekend, about a week and a half ago, I thought overall, top to bottom, it was officiated really, really well. Um, And part of my frustration with that, though, was I have seen several of these officials who were there uh, I've seen in, in
0: the NCAA tournament no, or no, in no. the in the high school okay. basketball.
1: I've seen several of those officials throughout the year. They do not officiate the game the way that they did at the state tourney. And so I think, you know, I think from an officiating perspective, the biggest issue basketball has at all levels is flopping. I mean, it is just all over the place. And the reason it's an issue is because officials and the official the people who give officials that criteria um, have kind of allowed it to spiral out of control to where it is now. Because officials continue to reward
0: players
1: for basically just falling down. Right. Um, you know, even some of the calls last night against Chet Holmgren were horrendous. <laughs> yeah, I was
0: going to bring that up.
1: And so, you know, and, and so back to Nebraska high school basketball. There are officials I saw at the state attorney who, during the regular season, hand out charges like candy, um, which I hate. They swallowed their whistles at the state attorney. And good on them, but that's how you should officiate the game all the time, not just in a playoff situation. You know, in my opinion, there always, always, always needs to be more blocks and defensive fouls than offensive fouls. Because no, I agree. what you need to do is you need to reward offensive players for being aggressive. Now, you don't want the things to get out of control, but you need to err as an official more on the side of calling a block than a charge because as soon as you start doing that, you get to the point where you have players who are basically falling all over the place, flopping all over the place, hoping to draw a call, and it's dishonest, in my opinion, and that's why that's why I hate it so much and I hate when it gets rewarded so much. And then on the flip side, it makes offensive players much more tentative. And so we see a lot less of what makes this game this game great, um, which are guys who can drive inside and kick and all these things. So, I mean, it's not to de-legitim- delegitimize the charge because there are some great charges taken by a lot of players and there deserves to be respect for that. But there's you need to, there's a certain amount of, you, know, you have to earn the charge, I think, as a player. You have to actually earn it. You have to get there. You have to do the work to get in front of it and get set. Um, you have to take a significant shot um, while you are set, and, and as opposed to where the game's officiated today, where I think it looks like nine times out of ten, if a player is coming downhill and the official thinks he's sort of out of control, then all another player has to do is just get in his way, and it's an offensive foul. That's, that's not how the game has to should be officiated. That's not how the rule is written. So um, I, I think there's kind of a crisis of officiating, certainly at the college basketball level, where there's a lot of mixing criteria and inconsistencies that makes it difficult for a player to play and for a coach to coach. And I think that needs to be addressed. And, and so, you know, it has never been more clear than this last week, really, um, this last week, week and a half, how bad that problem is in college basketball and how widespread it is. It's not just the Big Ten that has these moving standards and shifting um, levels of credibility. Uh, it's everywhere.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think the NCAA tournament officiating it was a lot. It, it, this is just my opinion, but I think they let a lot more go, except for last night with Chet, obviously, and we'll get into that. But the first two rounds, I mean, they they were physical. I mean, you you see well, you see how how much more low scoring these games are, and there were a lot of fifty fifty balls that I, I I found myself bracing for a whistle at some point, and there just was none, which I was totally fine with. And those are just based off of the games that I watched, but obviously I didn't, I couldn't watch all thirty two of them. But I don't, I, I feel like they let a little bit more go, but at the same time, I'm okay with that. Like obviously block and charge that's still a thing Um, I agree with your take I think there should be more defensive fouls and offensive fouls when it comes to that area of the ball game but yeah I I feel like the officiating is a little bit different and I know in college if you're a Big Ten team you're used to having a Big Ten crew and then you get into the tournament and then you have a say a Pac-12 crew or something like that and I don't know how much of a difference that really makes but I've just heard broadcasters and announcers say that but that could be a part of it but I, I agree, and we can get into those check calls. I think both of them were, were pretty weak.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the thing. I think weak is a good word because I think that describes, in a lot of ways, look, there are some areas, you're right, where they let them play. And maybe they let them play a little bit more in, you know, the place where you watch, where you watch in Milwaukee. And maybe that's true. But, man, from what I've seen, and I watch a ton, I, I think I watched every game pretty much uh, last weekend. Uh it was pretty weak. The officiating as a whole was pretty weak. The fouls that got called pretty weak. Um, you know, so it's that mix of that and then rewarding dishonesty from defenders that's just so incredibly frustrating for me. And you, you look at the check calls, I mean, every almost every one. There were, I well, think he had maybe two legit fouls, I
0: think. Yeah, well, and the the last two, especially, it wasn't even like he was trying to draw a foul. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the kid is He's 7 foot 1. I get it. He's not even 200 pounds. So he's not the the heaviest guy out there. He's pretty much like a string bean out there, but he's damn good at basketball. And I thought the 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 fourth foul that he picked up, which was I believe there was like 7 or 8 minutes left in the game, he the offensive player for Arkansas put his shoulder into his chest and he was just standing there arms up. And that was a foul. And he was backing away. And Gene, whatever the hell his Stereotor, last name yeah. is. Yeah, Stereotor, He came in. He he agreed with that one. He, he, he said no, that No, no, that no. Was, that's
1: the one he hated. He hated the fourth okay, one.
0: Okay, am I getting backed up? Okay. He hated the fourth and the fifth, fifth one,
1: one. But he thought the third was a real, I thought. Or you might have been right that it was the third and the fifth that he hated, but the fourth was legit.
0: I think he thought the fourth was legit and then the fifth one where he jumped. Because mm. both of the guys, Chet left his feet and the offensive player left his feet. And Shet was straight up and down. He did not jump forward. He did not jump backwards. He didn't try and draw a foul. His hands didn't come down. He was straight, like, as straight as you can be up and down. And this is coming from a guy who wanted Gonzaga to lose. And I thought these fouls were very illegitimate.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, w- it was poorly officiated. I mean, the two worst officiated college basketball games I've ever seen happen in the last week. And that's Baylor, North Carolina. Uh, yeah,
0: I missed, I missed all of the, like, I didn't see the ejection live in that game. Yeah, that I was bad. Called the second half of the second that half. Was of that was
1: bad. I thought it was a flagrant one for sure, uh, against Manic, and the game totally switched on that.
0: You know, well, yeah.
1: And, and to a certain extent, I think I. So my thing is, it makes it frustrating as a fan to watch. I'm sure it makes it frustrating as a coach or a player, but I think in almost every instance, almost every instance, even even including Gonzaga and Arkansas, players were able. to and had a chance to overcome that officiating and win anyway. You know, I I thought Baylor had got the short end of the stick a couple of times early, and then they got almost every 50-50 call in the final 10 minutes. Well,
0: because they were coming back.
1: And they were. But and it was was a legitimate comeback. Uh, But I think they could have won in spite of the officiating, and certainly North Carolina could. North Carolina couldn't inbound the damn basketball. Yeah,
0: that was bad. There, there were shades of UNI, Texas A&M there.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was just chaos. It's so wild. Like, we watched DePaul in person this year, and it's just, it just blows my mind God. that a high school or don't, a college...
0: Don't, don't a, get me started on that. <laughs>
1: but, but that a college basketball team could struggle to inbound the basketball. Yeah. And look, and, and like people will say, listening to this, or maybe anybody else who has a similar take, oh, you guys couldn't do it. Brr. Well, yeah. We aren't playing college basketball. These guys are. And so and, and then we're, you know, obviously very able to see what other players at this level are capable of. And so the fact, again, that for 10 minutes, you, you had two media timeouts. You had you had the under eight and the under four, uh, plus however many timeouts North Carolina had Let left. Let
0: the boys play. To, drop
1: an in, <laughs> to literally drop an inbounds play. That's all they had to do. They didn't even have to they really legitimately did not even have to do anything with it. They could have taken 10 second violations right, and would have been just fine. They just had to not turn the ball over. They continued to inbound it into the corner. And yeah. then in, in overtime, in <laughs> overtime they execute virtually a perfect inbounds play. It's like, where was this? Uh, yeah, it I, was just utter chaos every other time.
0: I think a part of that too is just momentum is so odd in, in basketball too. Like literally you could be on the wrong side of a swing, which North Carolina does, and you just forget how to do everything. And yeah, I, I understand that. <laughs> it was – to your point, though, their inbounding was atrocious. And it's that, the inability to inbound the ball at any point in the game. I mean, you mentioned we saw DePaul in person, and I watched a lot of their games because I root for him. And it's it, that's not a one-time thing. That was an entire season thing. And I'm like – it got to the point where teams are pressing St. John's in the first round of the big East tournament was pressing DePaul full court five minutes into the game because DePaul went up 12, to two before the under 15 and they pressed them and it was over. It, like right. DePaul was down 20 at the half. So it, I, it's a, it's a combination of teams not being able to inbound the ball and not being able to shoot your damn free throws. Hmm. Gonzaga in particular they are the best team, or at least they were the best team in the country. They could not make free throws to save their life against Memphis. And last night, they could not make free throws. It was unbelievable. Memphis, Memphis more so than last night. But Yeah,
1: and that game was good, too. I, how about Drew Timmy, by the way? I mean, Great,
0: the greatest, greatest drawing, interview of all time.
1: He was drawing some um, Kevin McHale comparisons, I think, on the broadcast and other places. Um, deservedly so. I'm interested to see how his game translates to the NBA if at all. Um but his footwork is fantastic.
0: Yeah, it is really good. It, I mean, it doesn't make sense.
1: He is just so incredibly crafty in the paint. Uh, that is something that, you know, young young post players have got to be watching for a long time.
0: Yeah, it watch it, the way he and I know we're kind of backtracking here, but the way he took over that that second half of that Memphis game was Unlike anything I'd ever seen before. Because he was unstoppable. And he's the reason why they won that game. I don't think they win that game if he doesn't come out like that. Because oh, he had of four not. points in the first half. Four points. And then all of a sudden, here comes Drew Timmy with his hair on fire. And, he, well, he mentioned he – I don't give a, a flying F in the locker room. And then they're not going to come out there and be a bunch of soft guys, if you will, according to Drew, <laughs> Drew Timmy's uh, – Post game interview, but I, as much as I don't like Gonzaga, I do like Drew Timmy. I thought that, that was hilarious. I really did. I thought yeah. That was really funny. yeah. He's a great guy. Um, <laughs> Ooh, I apologize.
1: And, and so look, I mean, it's been a fantastic journey. Um, you know, part of why I love high school state basketball here in Nebraska so much is because there are so many amazing characters from coaches, players, heck even officials sometimes, um, you know, that's definitely true in this too, and it's why I enjoy this event so much. It's why I like it maybe just as much as the Super Bowl, maybe a little bit more I like, I at I times. Like it more. Um, I, like, I think the championship game doesn't compare. Like the Super Bowl is way better than the college basketball championship. Oh game. no, yeah, that's, but like the as country. an event as a whole, um, it's just so fantastic. And I am incredibly excited to see how things turn out. I enjoy watching it. There's nothing like that opening weekend. There really isn't. Uh, And it's paid. It's so good to have it back pretty much completely normal. Um, And so many, like so many things around here right now. I mean, I was just even thinking about this earlier today, you know, you know, getting to see professors and, you know, most students at this point, not wearing masks and getting to see people's full faces or smiles. It's it's great. It's really fantastic. And so it feels like we're on the other end of this thing for the most part now. And, and that's a relief.
0: Now let's transition over to spring football as there was a pretty big story that broke yesterday. And I, I use big hesitantly because we don't know what it's going to come to. But uh, Scott Frost took the podium yesterday following a spring practice, mentioned that uh, he he was a big fan of the intensity to get better on the practice field yesterday. He also mentioned Xavier Betts isn't on the team right now. They're having a meeting. As far as we know, it could be happening as we speak. He said yesterday, which was Thursday, that they were having a meeting with him on Friday. Which is and, today. Which is today. And that will decide his future with the football program. I don't know what it. what's up. Scott didn't seem too happy about it when he was asked about it. Many people think it's grades. Many people think he just doesn't want to be coached hard enough. Uh, Maybe it could be he just needs to get his priorities right in life. Maybe football just isn't doing it for him anymore. Who knows? But bottom line right now, Xavier Betts is not, for now, a Nebraska Cornhusker on the football team, which would be a big loss, especially for this receiving room.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so in some ways. In some ways it is, in some way it is. Um, He's very explosive, we know that. He's very talented, we knew that. But he's going to get a project, we knew that too. I mean, he he barely made the great academic standards to be accepted here on scholarship. And, you know, maybe that's part of this situation that we're currently seeing unfold here. Maybe it's something different. Maybe it is like, you know, there's been some, some... speculation out there about you know his effort and what mickey joseph wants out of him and the idea that those two don't necessarily agree on that front you know what we do know is that did not return with the team after spring break we know that he had a meeting today or is going to have a meeting today on friday we'll find out where it goes from here i i I think this team is going to be fine at the receiver position. Losing Xavier Betts sucks. I mean, like, let's not sugarcoat that if that does and that looks like um, that will happen. It'll be another guy who's left this program while Scott Frost has been at the helm. There's a lot of comparisons being drawn there. Look, I don't know if Xavier Betts even plays football again. There's some discussion about that, that he might be done from that aspect, and you can see when his... Cousin has chimed in on Sean Callahan's tweet on Twitter, asking everybody to back off, basically, because he's trying to figure some stuff out, his meaning bets. So that looks like that's in play here, too. You know, when I look at this, I just, I think, you know, first things first, I wish all the best to bets. And I hope that whatever bets ends up or whatever bets ends up doing, that he can find some fulfillment in that and can get his life straight and where he's happy and where he needs to be. That's first priority for me. Second priority for me is this. This team has got quite a few receivers on it. Uh, It has brought in quite a few receivers from the outside. Mickey Joseph has a standard. If Xavier Betts isn't meeting that standard, Mickey Joseph has to stick to his guns. Otherwise he's a fraud. And so I'm, happy, at least for the football program in that, that they are sticking to their guns and they're not pandering um, to talent if that is the situation that is the situation.
0: Yeah, I I really hope that it's just him needing to figure some stuff out. Maybe he just doesn't like football anymore. Who knows? I mean, maybe he's just kind of over this whole D1 student-athlete thing, which is fine. I really hope it's not, and obviously the grades thing isn't great, I really hope it's not that, but I really hope it has nothing to do with the way Mickey Joseph coaches him. Because if you are a player, and this is just kind of my thinking on it, if you're a player that knows the talent that Mickey Joseph has produced in the last couple of years, and you have the chance and really the privilege to be coached by him, and he, not that he doesn't want to take advantage of I don't know, I don't want to say the wrong thing about Xavier because obviously I don't know what the situation is, but... I've, I just wouldn't be, as a fan and as a, a media member, wouldn't be too happy about that if you don't want to be coached hard enough by Mickey Joseph, who has coached two of the better wide receivers now in the National Football League and could really help you take that next step because you're saving your You have the ability. There's no question about that. You are athletic as all hell, and you have all the talent in the world. Uh,
1: yeah, that's the biggest thing. I think from a fan perspective, the biggest thing that you could be disappointed in is the opportunity cost. Right. Where you're losing out on a guy who's very talented, very explosive, and he just didn't end up reaching that potential. Uh, I I think there are a lot of people who are excited to see what Mickey Joseph could do with Xavier Betts, and now it's possible we don't see that.
0: Yeah, which is really disappointing, but at the same time, you turn your head to Omar Manning. He's still on the team, at least, for now. Fingers (laughs) crossed at this point. Uh, but that's really the biggest story coming out of spring ball here for the Nebraska Cornhuskers Spring game April 9th coming up here in just a yeah, couple that's, of weeks. That's right. That's just a couple of weeks here early April 9th Saturday um, and Another team will also be in Lincoln on April 9th, which is Husker baseball, which which we will talk about right now They have a series starting tonight after the South Dakota State game was canceled on Wednesday due to horrible weather uh they open big 10 play against a michigan michigan the, the bad wolverines three game series tonight tomorrow and sunday first pitch tonight according to the huskers.com website 7:32 p.m. Yeah, such
1: a weird start. Uh not 7:30 730, but 7:32
0: 7:32 Well it's kind of like the the 707 first pitch in the majors or something. I, it's it's kind of a weird Yeah, I mean it's baseball definitely weird <laughs> cuz it's it's 7 it's 7:32 it's two oh two tomorrow afternoon and then it's eleven oh two on Sunday morning. <laughs>
1: yeah, and I've got I've got the Friday and the Saturday game to, to write. And uh, it, it's a big weekend. It's a big weekend for Nebraska because you get a season reset, I think, in a lot of ways, where you can say, All right, what happened is in the past. I think we've figured out what we need to figure out as a team about you know, about who we who we are as a team, what our freshmen are capable of. We'll both talk a little bit about that. Asked him the other day if there's been like a bump in competitiveness or uh, or motion or uh, I think I'm trying to remember the other word I used, maybe energy, you know, after what happened on Sunday. And he said no, and he doesn't want that because he wants the, the same level of consistent effort, attitude, and intensity. That's the other, that's the word I used, intensity, intensity on a week-to-week practice-to-practice basis. He felt like they had that on Wednesday, um, was looking forward to a good practice on Thursday. We'll see if that comes to fruition on Friday night. And Michigan is a team that, while certainly is ranked in the top four in the Big Ten in almost every single offensive category, is a team that could be possibly taken advantage of on the mound. They've got a really good guy who's going to take the the, the mound the tonight. Um, I think it's Charlie something or other. Uh, but he's he's... Obviously, very, very solid, but outside of that, there's still a lot of questions. There's questions about uh, really who the other two guys are going to be in the order. So that's somebody, a Connor O'Halloran, who's going to be on there tonight.
0: Nice name. um
1: Full five pitch arsenal there. Uh, leads the team in strikeouts with 33. But after that, it's it's a couple of question marks. So you know, for for Nebraska, you want to get two out of three this weekend, like you did a year ago uh, against this team to close out the regular season and. You need to start things off well tonight. I, I think even if Nebraska loses tonight, if they keep it close, things are going to be heading in the positive direction. And that a lot of that lies with Cody Frank. We'll be getting another Friday start. And his last Friday start, granted, it was his second start in the span of a week, but he had about two innings that he lasted. And that's not what you want, and especially when you compare it to his first start uh, against Northwestern State on a Friday. And he really jump-started Nebraska into the weekend where they could have won their first 4-0 weekend of the year had it not been for a collapse against UT Arlington. So, you know, that's big. How Cody Frank sets the tone tonight uh, when, when he takes the mound in the top of the first inning is going to be really big for the rest of the series and the weekend. And, and to a certain extent, what happens this weekend is going to go a long way to determining some of the tone of the rest of the year because if Nebraska gets swept and trounced uh in these three games this weekend we could be headed for the danger zone for the year as a
0: whole yeah you'd be in the left lane of the highway to the danger zone that's for sure Cody Frank in the start tonight as Grant mentioned two other pitchers here this weekend that will start on Saturday Shea Shanniman will take the mound at 2 p.m. against Michigan and then Dawson McCarville on Sunday at 11 a.m. to take on the Michigan Wolverines. Michigan 11-9 and 9 coming into this series, as Grant mentioned. Kind of a new slate for this Nebraska team. You start conference play. You're 0-0 in conference play. Uh, you get a pretty good test in Michigan coming to town. Want to defend home turf, especially after a 21-4 f- loss against Texas A&M Corpus Christi. This is a big weekend, as Grant mentioned. You can win this series. You play Creighton at third place on Tuesday. And then you go on the road, Ohio State. You play Omaha again, and then you're at home for three games set against Rutgers, one game against Creighton.
1: Rutgers is interesting because Rutgers has had some <laughs> some troubles, and then uh, up and down.
0: You have four games against BYU as well the following weekend, and then you're home again against North Dakota State before going on the road again. So there's a lot of home games coming up here in the next month or so for this Nebraska baseball team, and it's not like it's not like they're totally out of it. They're eight and eleven. I mean, it was better than the 1-6 no. in start that they were on, that's for sure.
1: Uh, it's it's more of a matter of can they put that behind them? Uh, can they find some consistency? Consistency is a word that Bolt has used a lot. Uh, he's used it in the last few years, really, uh, I just about everything, right? He wants a consistent approach. He wants a game-by-game, day-by-day approach from this team. And so far this year... That's kind of been the, this team's biggest struggle, no matter what they've brought in practice. And, and I don't think Will is unhappy with what's been brought in practice. But there hasn't been that consistent play where you've had, you know, a a game where all three phases, right, your defense, pitching, hitting, are all firing. I don't, I don't know if they've had a game like that this year. Maybe the closest game was maybe the first game of that New Mexico State series this last week. That might have been it. Uh, but I – You look to year to year, you know, even at the beginning of the year against Sam Houston, they take the lead in the top half of almost, yeah, every game they took the lead, I think, except maybe the last one. And every game, they immediately surrendered the lead within an inning. And so, you know, it's been one step forward, two steps back. And maybe that's part of what you get with a young group. You forget that Max Anderson is a sophomore. It's easy to forget that Bryce Matthews uh, is a sophomore, too, just based off of what they were able to produce in the last year. But they are still underclassmen, and they're trying to find a way to lead this thing. And there's not a whole lot of upperclassmen on this team, Cam Chick, Griffin Everett. And Griffin Everett wins co-Big Ten Player of the Weekend. He had a fantastic week, but that's the first week things have clicked for him this year. Cam Chick struggled at the plate, and so if those guys can get things going along, maybe you can see you know, some of the other guys be brought along with them. But there's going to need to be some people who step up, and it's going to have to come in a lot of different places. It's going to have to come from those two guys, Chick and Everett at the plate. And you're going to have to see some guys like Cody Frank and others continue to produce or even elevate their games to continue to lead that pitching crew along because that, that's that been an area of struggle too. And now you have Kyle Perry who may not return this season, probably won't return this season. No updates there. Maybe you see something positive with Jake Buns in the future, but as far as we know, he's done for the year. So, you know, That's an area that also has a lot of young players. Your Jackson Jelkins, CJ Hoods, uh, Brockett from Elkhorn South. You know, those guys are all guys that are looking for leadership. And look, there's a lot of leadership that comes from things you say and the things and the examples that you set, but there's a lot of it that can be brought from things you do as well. And so you're going to need to see a lot more of that again at the plate and on the mound for this team in the future, and I think the guys are up to the task, I think Coach Bolt is up to that task as well in terms of getting that out of them.
0: Once again, big weekend here coming up for Nebraska baseball. They host Michigan in a three-game series trying to get back on track and trying to start off Big Ten play with a very positive note. Now, just a couple of Nebraska basketball things to hit on real quick. We've had a couple of transfers and some news Bryce McGowan's heading to the 2022 NBA draft, as he announced earlier this week, as well as Eduardo Andre. He will go to the transfer portal and then reported earlier today, Keon Edwards, he will also be going back to the transfer portal. If you remember, Keon Edwards transferred to Nebraska from DePaul last year. He will be finding a new destination this year as well. That's something that disappoints me. Not not that he's transferring, just the fact that Keon Edwards hasn't really found his spot yet. I I'm very high on him. He's six foot seven. He's super athletic. He, At
1: the same time, he wasn't able to you know carve out a role. For that this. is that
0: is true. That's the hard part. That is true. But he'll probably go to a, a smaller group of five slash mid major school and and probably have a decent amount of success there. But those are a couple of a uh, couple of new, new tidbits on also, Nebraska KL basketball. Jacobson. Brought in on a visit. Cale Jacobson from Ashland Greenwood visited today.
1: My word is he is in, I think, a ceiling of preferred walk on. Which is fine. Yeah. I, I would I, I think he would be a fantastic addition. In terms of character, I, I think he could, you know, I think he's someone who's capable of rising to the occasion of playing at this level. Also could see him going to a D2 like Northwest Missouri State. I could also see him coming to Nebraska, doing a preferred walk-on for a while, you know, learning under Sam Griesel or spending some time uh, yeah. here, and then moving on, transferring out later on down the line. So that's one to watch, though, because I, I think there's a lot of people in this state who are clamoring for local talent to be brought in here, and bringing in Jacobson could be something that could be used as a crowd appeaser, uh, I, I think, and I think it would def it would be both. It would be a, certainly it would be a positive, and I think it would you know please the crowd in this state who are looking for in-state talent to be brought in to Nebraska.
0: Yeah, I was just going to mention Sam Breesel, always also coming back to Nebraska. He uh, is from Nebraska. He played at, remind me South Dakota State, North Dakota State, North Dakota State. Yes. So he will be coming to the Huskers as well to join Fred Hoiberg. And the program Husker Softball right now in action up in Ann Arbor against Michigan. Last time I checked, they were up two to nothing, uh, but I will check up on that right now. I really like their new uniforms, the all red with the white pinstripes. And by
1: the way, that was another interesting tidbit, tidbit dropped this week. Uh, Trev Alberts and his little tidbit dropping show, uh, also known as the AD Hour on the Husker Radio Network. Uh, Trev said that they want to see more similar uniforms. That's been something he's been talking about. He kind of feels like uniforms. Really, I think he's been talking about for a long time. But they're all kind of all over the place in terms of different fonts, different styles. And that's not to say he's doing away with alternates. I don't think that's that's what he's saying at all. But just trying but to across the board. Yeah, across the board, every sport unifying around base colors, fonts, um, you know, choices like that to show a little bit, you know, more of coordination and connection there
0: yeah usually i'm not a fan of like an all one color uniform especially when it's red but these are really i think they're really cool i mean the softball yeah the softball yeah. ones the the all red they got white pinstripes white numbers white lettering i think i think it's a really good look um and they can wear them on the road as well they're currently up three to nothing against michigan up in ann arbor so a good start for them they've been having a really good season they're 19 and 9 right now so and they're coming off of a four game win streak here at home they were supposed to have a game this week that was also canceled due to bad weather. Um, but they're in action. Husker baseball in action tonight. More Sweet 16 action tonight as well. Can St. Peter's keep it going against the Purdue Boilermakers? God, I hope not. I think everybody who doesn't live in West Lafayette, Louisiana. Louisiana I'm geez, ready for Purdue. Indiana, how dare you? Uh, What's wrong I like, with you?
1: I like seeing Jaden Ivey. I think he's fantastic. You can
0: see him in the NBA next year.
1: I would prefer to see him.
0: What if he goes here. to your beloved Memphis Grizzlies? And that's possible. <laughs>
1: He's been mock drafted there. Uh, I would also be down for a little ED action for the Grizzlies. I
0: would get him and Ja Morant confused because they wear the same hair.
1: Yeah, and Ja's a fan of his, I think.
0: I, I think so, too. Yeah. But I can see Bryce
1: McGowan's ending up with Memphis as well, like a late-round first or second-round pick. But
0: gr- know, Yeah. Last time I saw, he was 30th on a mock-draft to the Thunder, but that was on That's Monday, another one to watch, by the so. way
1: the the draft status of Bryce, Bryce McGowan's.
0: Bryce McGowan's, um, I was gonna say something, I was gonna say one more thing, now I can't remember what I was gonna say. Oh yeah, Sweet that's right, dating. I need to see more Doug. Doug of St. Peter's.
1: Oh, yes. Doug. I, yeah, I need to see more of those Uber Eats, not Uber Eats commercials. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think, it, it's funny, that up. I think the funniest, have you, have you seen the one where it's like, the woman orders purple lipstick? And she starts eating it. And she's like, oh, my God, it tastes like purple. And she says it like a five-year-old. It's I have I not... I,
1: was that, that one... I, I noticed they had some new ones out last night.
0: Yeah, that, that one's funny. There's, uh, there's one of this guy, like, eating tape. There's Right. Yeah. No, so
1: that's the thing. So you haven't seen Succession. No. But that is a show on HBO, and he's one of the stars of that show. Oh, okay. And so basically you know, in those ads, Greg is his name in the show. And so Greg is basically playing the same, he's basically playing the same character. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's another reason why I like those commercials so much. But it's funny because, like, I was having this discussion with some family over spring break about, like, why do we feel like, you know, the Super Bowl is, like, one of the biggest advertising events of the year. Why in the world is March Madness not the same? Because I think aggregate viewership across the whole tourney has got to be close um, but it feels like, apart from the you know the advertisements with Charles Barkley this year, the Uber Eats don't eats it commercials. That's kind of it in terms of the funny commercial department, you
0: know. Well, Grant's not a big fan of the green iPhone, at least the no, ad. No, I.
1: That ad, <laughs> that ad, like, and I told you this. That ad is literally the definition of like the whole, you know, the meme where it's like this meeting could have been an email. Yeah, like. This ad could have just been an email. The iPhone's green now, the end. Like, what? How much money did that cost? Not only to buy the ad, but to make the thing. It's like,
0: well, who I, cares? I it's tol- green? I told you it's a, it's a stereotypical... Who's been clamoring for this? It's an ad, I don't know. People who like the color green. Maybe it was the St. Patrick's Day thing. I don't know. <laughs> that would the, be kind it, of hilarious if it was. Because but it, it was such a stereotypical Apple commercial. A bunch of cinematic shots so and then bad. crazy music behind it with a bunch of effects. Like, I'm just effects.
1: like, I'm sitting there, I'm just like, jungle rave, I could have a green iPhone. You could
0: go. have a green iPhone, but then you put no. a case on it, and you wouldn't see the green exactly. on the iPhone. <laughs> Unless yeah. you get a clear case, and but those like, get dirty really fast. Again, bad. like,
1: how does that work? Like, look, you can see, you can see part of your iPhone through the case still. Then you have to color coordinate the case
0: I mean, to your you green could. iPhone? You could, if you want. Why?
1: Just pick black. Or white,
0: because people.
1: And then, and then you can get all creative with the case.
0: Because not everybody. Nobody use,
1: Nobody does it just the iPhone. Because a what? Case. What if
0: you set your phone down next to a bunch of black iPhones, and you don't know which ones you.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Except for the one person who's like, oh, I got a. It's everyone's gonna have a green
0: iPhone. You got now. the green iPhone. Maybe green. Green is the new black when it comes to iPhones. But Grant I has a. I hate that a, commercial. Grant has a not. I a hate fan. that
1: one. I also hate the uh, Kim Keats investor one. Uh, which, thank God, they seem to have retired that from last year, where it's like Greg Gumbel from the CBS thing, and he's like talking about, he's like going through the, yeah, and then oh. and then it's like this lineup of players, and it's like Kim Keats, yeah. investor. I,
0: yeah. I hate that one. That that one's not great. I honestly, I'm not a, I don't. There's one with, and I love Mike Breen, but there's one with Mike Breen that oh that just one last night, so that just was like kind of, it's ugh. kind of funny.
1: It's not. It's not great. It's but it's
0: it's, cringy, it's very yeah. cringy. I don't I don't like it when they put announcers in a commercial setting where they're well, like State Farm's doing that all the time well, now. Yeah, but like it, Gus Gus can actually like do it because he's done that like a couple of times now. But when you put a a guy who literally says non-scripted stuff basically for basketball games his entire life, and then you give him a script to read off of, and you act like he's calling a game that just doesn't. Just doesn't like yeah, it. Yeah, no, I agree. Just doesn't like it.
1: I like the mascot ones, the driving mascot ones. I always think those are generally somewhat funny. You know, it's like the one dog in the back and the two devils yeah. who got it way hot. Like, okay, that's well, funny. Well, uh,
0: Grand Hill favors the blue devil in the... Uh, yeah, the those are good. I like the mascot ones. the Ritz-Carlton. Ones. <laughs> well, we, we've gone on a little bit of a tangent here about March Madness commercials. If you're listening this far, though, Tell us which one is your favorite because there's a lot of them. Out it's there. like
1: okay, here's another here's another tangent. It's like my aunt was reading a book from the library on our on our vacation, and she got like halfway through it, and she saw a note in the book <laughs> that was left by somebody else that oh said, boy. "Congratulations for making it this far. <laughs> this book is horrible." <laughs> it's like that. So if you've got it this far, congratulations.
0: <laughs> Good job, everybody. Thank you for listening all the way through. But they also brought back the. Uh, Before we go, the E-Trade baby, the E-Trade baby is back. Flashback to 2012, the E-Trade baby is here to stay, but that's all the time we've got for today on episode number 81 of Husker Sports Weekly. We talked about... What did we talk? We just we, we talked, talked about, about commercials. Really. We talked about commercials. We talked about the NCAA to think, tournament. To
1: think we almost <laughs> didn't record this episode.
0: Yeah. We just I'm, I'm glad I'm glad we I'm, did now because this is a really I, I like this last seven minute span of just yeah. nothing. Yeah, <laughs> but that's all the time we got on episode number 81 of Husker Sports Weekly. We talked about the March Madness tournament, Husker baseball, Husker basketball, Husker softball. Um, and Husker Spring football. Be on the lookout. We're back to more of a consistent schedule now that we're back on campus and we know everything that's going on now. Um, So we'll be back more consistently. Uh, If you haven't yet, go check out our other episodes as well. Our last episode was with Jeff Ekstrom, who's co-host of Athletes Unfiltered. If you want to hear his opinion on things, go listen to that one. Uh, But we'll be back next week. Once again, you can follow us on Twitter at C underscore Clark underscore 27 and at Hanson 15 underscore Hanson. You can follow our show on Twitter at Husker Weekly and search Husker Sports Weekly in the search bar of your favorite podcast networks. We'll be back next week. Enjoy the weekend series between Nebraska and Michigan. And until next week, go Big Red.